Dear Heavenly Father, you know um, my heart. You know how much knowledge I have in my head um, that is greatly lacking, Lord. But I ask that you would use what, um, what, I, what is here. And may it be a blessing through your Holy Spirit and to inspire the people here to invest in the people around them. Um, we just in, invite your presence to this talk and in our hearts and minds we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this next slide is, is uh, going to be filled in with people and it's going to be generations. And if I was trying to get a picture about kind of where we've come from and try to get a picture of time. And so I split up time into people, generations. And in some place I see they did each person, each generation was 25 years. And sometimes they did 34 years. So there, I chose 34. And, and uh, so we're going to kind of go backwards in time from generations. So our first person, the white person there is, is you and I. And then just three generations, or if you go 25 years, a few more generations than that, we have Ellen White. Now, Ellen White died in 1915, just 103 years ago. I'd like to ask, is there anyone here who talked to somebody who physically talked to Ellen White? That is amazing to me. That is amazing to me. When I, when I made this, it feels like when you, like, I'm 33 years old. Life started when I was born, you know? And it takes a while for you to realize that that's not the case. And that we hear about Ellen White, but she wasn't, that wasn't very long ago. Those of you who raised your hands, please come to me afterwards. I want to talk to you so then I can say that I talked to somebody who talked to somebody <laughs> who talked to Ellen White. Because she is still relevant today. We're in the end time church. I mean, that three generations? That's not very long ago. Going back to George Washington... Um, the same thing, if you do 34 or 25, it goes from six generations or nine generations. But still, ten generations, nine generations from the founding of this country, that's not many generations. I mean, I know, I know myself, and I know my dad, and I, know, I knew my great-grandfather. That's three right there. And uh, it's just amazing how much has changed in our country in this small period of time. You think from Ellen White till now, the advancements and the changes in family structure and, and what's accepted and what's not accepted, it's just drastically different. And then we'll kind of speed through the rest of these. There's Martin Luther, Jesus. I just did two, 2018 divided by 34, and we got to about 59 generations. Um, and then, then we have David. And from Jesus back to Adam, I just followed the genealogy that, that's found in, in Scripture. So 10 generations between Abraham and Noah, Noah and Adam, another 10 generations. And this is our family tree. You know? Um, it's very powerful when people know where they came from. It gets rid of a lot of racism. We're the human race. I mean, my great-great-grandfather is Noah. So is yours. That's the truth. That's a fact. Adam. It was our great-great-great-great-grandfather. And also looking at this, it just is amazing how many people had to instill and invest in people over and over and over again for you and I to even be here. Because we didn't just pop up 33 years ago or 60 years ago or 120 years ago. Some of you guys look pretty old. No, just kidding. 
that's a lot of moms and dads. That's a lot of investment. And um, that's who we are. In, my, in, in, in the bio that, that I have in, in the, the program, you know, it says, uh, graduated from Southern, then graduated University of Tennessee, now I'm at Nova Southeastern, and, and I'm a dentist, you know. That's how you say, when you introduce yourself a lot of times, this is who I am. Um, but that's not where I get my worth from, you know? Like, who here would, would you rather be a doctor over a son or daughter of God? Like, a son or daughter of God's way up here, and the doctor's way stinking down, you know, way down there. And that's what everybody's value is. All of our patients. They're all sons. They're all daughters of the one that created them and the one that redeemed them on the cross. And so here's where we came from. And I hope that kind of helps us get on our heart what God has on his. And this next slide is uh, where we're going. And it's an analogy that I really, really love to help me get a true perspective. That little dot signifies our life. On the left side of the dots, where we're born, uh, get an education. If we're lucky, we find a nice husband or wife, have some kids, but eventually you die. And um, I have gotten a lot of slack from uh, family members that aren't Christian minded, don't have a perspective of eternity, which is the line that continues on. And they kind of have just the investment of, you know, you went to Peru for how many years? Like you. We, we helped you through school so that you could just be irresponsible. Um, because investment to people is money. And a lot of times in what I spend my time thinking and worrying about, it's where, I, it's where my heart is a lot of times too. Like car and a house, what's the better investment? Well, a house is. And we want to we invest our money wisely. And, and people, when you look at the best investors, Warren Buffett. He's worth $84 billion. And then you have the founder, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, $112 billion. They did really, really good. But it's all going to end at the end of the dot, you know. That's it. And then when Christ comes again to take us home, that's when the line starts. And it's, you know, we have about, you know, maybe 50 dots, 20 dots. That continues on the, the end of the page, and the line goes back that way. I'm not sure we are east-west, but we're going to say that that way is going east, and we're going to go across the country, and that line continues off the Atlantic, and then it skips off our planet, goes past the moon, the sun, the stars, through the Milky Way galaxy, through other Milky Way galaxies. And you're going to tell me that my life should be surrounded about what's going to happen in that dot? Who's the better investor? Um, yeah, sometimes you want to say, take that. <laughs> but, but, um, that's, so, so as we go forward today, I want to, want to kind of help you in some techniques on how we can, uh, help our patients and better, better serve them, those with special needs and those with, that are, are children, because many times they're, they're just hard to handle. So I want to give you some tips and tricks to make it less hard and to equip you to take home to your staff. 
Um, so here's my goals, you know, to inspire you to, to reconnect to, to, to God's purpose and invest like he would and, and commit to whole person care to demonstrate um, how we can use behavior guidance to help you in the dental or the medical office and treating of kids or those with autism. You know, autism is a spectrum disorder. If you've met a kid with autism, you've met one kid with autism. It's so different, you know, as far as intellectual ability to track with you. Um, I want to empower you to feel more comfortable treating those kids. And then, very briefly, touch on um, what physicians could need to know about dental, dental trauma. Um, and uh, that's going to be a very short... Basically, when they were asking me to speak, I was like, man, what do I have that, that could be of benefit to this group? And, and so it might not be as beneficial as you might like, but it's just what I could dig up. <laughs> so that's all I got right now. <laughs> um, so I'm going to play a short video that, that, is, that is about... It's just my daughter, Emmeline, about a year ago, and Mateo, and they're walking down the street and they hear a bird. And I just saw this video again uh, a couple weeks ago, and I hear my son say what kind of bird it was. And I was like, wow. He probably doesn't know it anymore, but he did then. And, um, and the point that I have behind the video, you'll see, is, is why did he know about that bird? Because his dad likes birds, you know? And what dad has interest in, the kids have interest in. So let's let's see if I can get this to to play here. Well, he just mumbled right there. He said, "That's affiliated," and I was very impressed with that. I said, "That's my boy. That's my boy." And when it comes to treating kids with special needs and treating kids in general, your staff is counting. It's going to follow your lead. Um, they are going to have an interest and a passion in about the things you have an interest and a passion in. Um, so if, if it's lacking from the top, like if, like if you didn't get to walk out a code, the patient was, you know, wasn't able to even sit down and exam, and, and you're, you're kind of upset with the wasted time and production, well, it's going to trickle down, and they're also going to be frustrated. Um, they need a, and when you, they need a purpose other than a paycheck, and they need you to lead them. And I, I fall prey to that um, when I worked for a, for a paycheck two years ago as an associate dentist. Uh, I checked my production in the middle of the day, and uh, then I checked my production at the end of the day, and what it was is what I determined to be a successful day or not. Um, so that's an easy rut to get in. But if you give somebody a high five and you show, and you show them that you're excited about their attempt to see this patient, desensitize them to the office, um, to help them feel comfortable, um, then they're going to continue doing it, you know? It's, it's, not, it's not too complicated. So um, in autism, they have 
you know, you have the core symptoms and you have the results of those core symptoms. When somebody talks to you, we hear it and we react. Well, they have that receptive language kind of deficit sometimes and, and they don't know how to process it right. Or, or if they have a feeling of anxiety, they don't know how to um, tell you. Uh, so that creates anxiety. And so that's why you often see that rigid routine of the swaying or that sometimes they're sensory seeking, you know, biting their hands, what have you. Um, and uh, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's autism. And it, and it can result in a lot of challenging behaviors. And they are very, they love a routine. They love what they know. There's some patients of mine, when, they, when the mom turns left instead of right, then the kid starts acting up. They know that we're supposed to go that way. We always go that way. Now I know I'm going to the, I don't know, my behavior therapist or whoever it is that they don't want to see. So things that we can help with these patients is just to, you know, common sense, uh, limit, limit wait times, less busy times of the day. If you know they're going to be a little bit of screaming, a little bit of yelling, um, might need to plan for a longer appointment and higher frequency of visits. Now, as a business owner, you have to keep track of how your time's spent, but it doesn't have to be high doctor time for have the have the patient in to see the office, to hold some things, to say hello, to start a relationship, um, to start that work of desensitizing the patient. We can arrange the visit um, prior to actually doing uh, any treatment. Let the child sit in a chair and associate the visit with something positive. So avoid what is upsetting is kind of like, you know, a millennial thing. But, but it's <laughs> and you know you're going to get to something that's upsetting. And you have, but there are some things that you can concede on, like loud noises, a white coat, excessive sitting, that um, they might have, you know, if they're going to be more likely to be scared of you, all dressed up in your white coat, take it off. That's not a big deal. Yeah, you're still going to have to maybe look in their ears or have them say, ah, oh, do something uncomfortable, but, but there's ways in which we can work up to that, and I'll uh, teach you some, some of those tricks. So operant conditioning. You know, you reward good behavior, here's a chocolate, good job, or you give a little punishment for, uh, and try to decrease a behavior. Um, and this type of reinforcement is, is a lot of times, like especially the rewards, is often used to, is often, often happens to reward bad behavior. For example... Um, have you all been in this situation? You got, a, you got an examination, you have a behavior problem, and so what happens? The appointment ends. Kid wins. The kid absolutely wins. Um, next time he comes in here, he knows if he doesn't want to be here, I can pitch a fit, and I get to leave. So we're going to talk about how to reestablish compliance before dismissal, and it doesn't have to be, you have to get it done, because that's not the thing either. Like, you know, you can papoose a kid and have him scream and scream and scream, and maybe sometimes that's warranted. But many times, 
if you can just, if you see that you're not going to get it done, you can ask for a simple task. The big theme here, if I could give you one theme about how to deal with kids or kids with special needs, it's lower your expectations. Just lower them. And praise, 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 praise. Like lavish on good praise on little things. Get that momentum going. Um, Little things. Little things. Praise the little things. Applied behavior analysis is become, is kind of what we're kind of going to be talking about. And it's kind of like speech pathology, but speech pathology is you can't physically talk and you can't physically do certain things or chew or whatever. But a behavior analysis is, analyst is, is dealing with the behavior. Like they can physically do it, they just don't want to. And how can we help mold and certain behaviors and diminish others? It's kind of like common sense parenting that, <laughs> that, uh, that maybe has been missed um, by some, but, but I, I definitely have, have learned a lot, and I had great, great parents. And applying it in the, uh, the medical field has, has helped, and I've seen it work um, tremendously. So reward the good behavior. So I talked about you know, that, that momentum, behavior momentum, like, Thank you so much for coming in and sitting in the chair. Do you need help of getting in the chair? Oh, no, you, you did it all by yourself. Wow, you're so big. Man, I'm so impressed. Like using like specific things about what they did instead of good job. Like good job for what? I remember driving down the road. See, my dad was a birder too. I spotted a, some, some bird on a... On a on a pole somewhere, and I, oh, dad, there's a hawk, whatever, and he's like, wow, son, you have eagle eyes, what do you think I was doing as a little kid the rest of the drive, that's right, I got eagle eyes, <laughs> where's the next bird, you know, words are power, so if, if you say things like, thank you so much for sitting still with your back against the chair, thank you so much for opening your mouth, look, oh, mom, look how she opens her mouth so big, you were so, and, and there are some kids that won't track with you on that level, but a lot of them, their neurotypical kids, will. And you can do all sorts of common reinforcers and, uh, you know, candy toys, praise, stickers, tokens, high fives. But a big thing there at the bottom line, I want you to establish that, and they call it a pre-MAC, before the behavior, before the bad behavior starts, right? Because you've all seen the parent who's trying to get the kid through the, your, your appointment. And he's throwing a fit. And mom says, if you're good, I'll take you to the toy store and we'll get some Legos. Well, he's still screaming. And we'll get ice cream. And this kid's really, I mean, kids are smart. They're manipulators. I got four of them. They are so smart at such a young age. And, and so, so, oh, if I, if I kind of pitch a fit here and I wait on it for a while, I, I can get, really get up there. Before I get in. So that pre-MAC, that reward has to be there before that starts. So at the beginning of the procedure, while they're still good, if you're good, you're going to get this. If you're not, then you're not. And sometimes if, it, if they don't make it through and you're wanting to reestablish compliance, you want to end on a good note, you can say, if they're just screaming, pitching a fit, like before you leave, we need to touch this mirror to your, 
to your mouth, or, or we're going to, you know, you're going to, yeah, whatever it is, a tiny thing, like, you're going to hold it, you're going to hold this, you're going to touch this, we're going to count to 10, and then you're going to leave, like, something, you just have to keep dumbing it down smaller and smaller and smaller to where they finally comply with something, as small as it can be, remember, lower your expectations is the key thing here, and then, after they've done that, they touch the mirror of their lips. Everyone claps and says, good job, good job. Oh, but I really, but no, you don't get to get that toy. I mean, we really are hoping you would, but you didn't let us finish the whole exam. But you did obey at the end and let me touch the mirror to your lips. And that was very good of you. Hope next time, you know, we can even do better. And put that in your chart and kind of keep track of their progress, of how far they let you go. And um, that's very empowering to and very refreshing to many parents, a doctor who's willing to, to do that. Some other things, you know, you just got your classic timer. Um, you have a first-then chart, and then you have choice. And when I say choice, it's, it's not like, do you want to do this or do you not? I don't want to do it. Okay. No, it's, uh, they call it forced choice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, we're going to be brushing your teeth today. I can brush it for 20 seconds, or I can brush it for a minute. Which do you choose? 20 seconds. Well, I got in there for 20 seconds, right? And that might be, that might be it. So you can think of things like that, like, this is what we're going to be doing. And you have two options. And I do that with my kids all the time. Like, all right, we could stay here, and uh, we could uh, finish our food, and it could take a two hours and then we could have ice cream or we could finish it right now and we could have ice cream right now. And uh, it works a lot. It even works for me. I mean, I wonder if God often does this to us. You think God does this to us? You know, first you do this, then you'll get that. And uh, sometimes in your relationship with God, it's like, God, why haven't you, why haven't we gotten closer? Well, maybe it's this first then thing. Like, like I'm not going to show you new or a new thing unless you haven't obeyed and done what I first told you to do, you know? We can't take the next step in our relationship uh, until you've already accepted what I've already shown you. So, tell, show, do is another great one when you just basically tell the kid this is how the appointment's going to go. You show them the instruments that you're going to use. There's no surprises. You're in control. And you can practice on maybe a little uh, a dummy or a parent, and then and then uh, do it. Visual task strips is another great one where it gives the kid, especially with autism, they know. And behavior analysts use these a lot just just to get things everyday things to get their teeth brushed or get them to bed. Like we're going to wash your hands, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then we go to bed. And and they love those schedules. So if you can make a schedule like this for your office, then the, the kid checks it off or you can Velcro things and flip it over when it's completed. That's what I have here in this picture. I have a Velcro uh, thing of, you know, it's sit in the chair, it's open your mouth, it's a mirror, and each time they do it, they think, oh, you completed that step. Great. Grab it and flip it over. And they flip it over and you try to, sometimes they won't flip it over, so you grab their hand and you help them flip it over and eventually they get to knowing and all right, well, only three more steps until we get treasure box or whatever it is. And they can kind of see how long this appointment is going to take and 
when you know that, then you can handle it a lot better. I mean, it works when my wife uses this on me a lot of times. If she lets me know that she's not going to be there next week, and she told me like a couple weeks in advance, you know, I can handle it. But if she doesn't tell me like until the very end, it's like, oh, no. You know, but if you have some foresight of how long I'm going to be by myself and how long I'm going to have to cook my own meals and starve, then I can prepare mentally for it and we can get through it. Um, so, yeah, just to reinforce each step and to get, get through the exam. And you can make these as you, as you would like. Um, responsive strategies. We, we talked a little bit about this already. How you say, you know, you want to use clear language. Um, like, instead of no climbing, need your back against the chair. You know, don't hit, instead of don't hit me, hands on the belly. Like, like instead of calling them bad or that's bad, just give them a direct command. This is what we're going to do and don't pay attention. Like, to their, like sometimes they'll come in and the kid will meow, you know. What's your name? Meow. And if you buy into it, you're, you're like, oh, we have a little kitty, you know, that's so cute. And she keeps meowing, right, because you're buying into what she's selling. Uh, but if you kind of ignore it and, uh, and then ignore the bad behavior and then when she does something right, you praise the junk out of it then it really, you can kind of help mold how that goes. Like, oh, when I do that, I don't get any attention anymore. Um, and you just kind of stick straight face and you just sit back in the chair. Thank you so much for following instructions. That's so nice. Um, and then the desensitization. You know, building your way up. And it takes, it takes, it takes a a leader that is willing to do this. If you're not willing to do this in your practice, then your office staff is not going to be willing to. You have to empower them and say, this is what I value, so that they will value it too. And you just slowly build up in what they're able to do. And, and we've seen kids that come in every month, um, just for a little bit. But they go from not being able to sit in the chair at all and holding on to the doors to coming in and, and opening their mouth and and letting you brush their teeth, um, and you get there. Now, sometimes you, you have to resort to take them to the OR, or you have to get some benzodiazepine on board, or what have you, but there, it, the, the parents are, are so very much appreciative, because you have, I mean, you have, you have several different kind of parents. You have that overwhelming parent that's very angry, just stressed out, you have the, the parent that's kind of complacent and just overwhelmed. What's the best thing you can do for the child when you have an overwhelmed parent? I mean, they have, they're having to, you know, change sheets to the bed daily, you know. They're having to wipe their bottoms and they're 10 years old. And, and that day in, day out, um, I've seen the struggle with my brother. And, and their special needs child. And so if you can empower the parent and you can show them patience and love and office appointment, because it's stressful. You've got to imagine it's stressful if you have a kid that doesn't behave very well, taking them to an office. And I'm sure they've had lots of experience of saying, 
you know, a frustrated doctor and, and uh, kind of leave in a haste to have a doctor be like, it's all right. That's some very nice singing that you can do. <laughs> and we see this kind of all the time. And no, that's great, mom. And, and just how, what a, what a breath of fresh air for that parent. Um, and to encourage them. Have that talk with them spiritually about how this life is short and, and you're doing a great job. And uh, he is a son of God just like anybody else. That can really help them be, you know, keep going to not lose heart. Um, one of our last techniques is just voice control. Um, and sometimes in this day and age, you might need to tell the parent, like, if things don't go exactly how um, I would like it to, I'm you know, going to go from, like, good cop to bad cop. <laughs> you know, your dad did this to you a lot. You're like, come on, guys, we need to go get in the car. And then after that didn't work for a couple times, guys, we're going to need to sit, you know, stop that. You're going to need to clean this up. You're going to need to get in the car. You understand? And sometimes just that tone change in voice can be enough for the kid to be like, oh, okay. You know? So that, that is a... Uh, and then if, if all these things don't work out, you want to reestablish that compliance before they leave. Before they leave out the door, find something that they will do, a command that you will do, however dumbed down it is, that you can end on a positive note. Not let them win, but end on a positive note. They had to do something to leave. You know what I'm saying? Before they pitch a fit and you just let them go, make them complete some task, whatever it is. It might take some time, but um, it's going to really, really help in the long run. And if you can instill that type of knowledge to the parent, because a lot of times the parent is feeding this, right? At the store, and we're set up for failure at the, at the store. I mean, you're, at every checkout, you got skills and candy. And the kid, I want some candy, I want some candy. I want some candy, I want some candy. All right, just be quiet. Here's your candy. That's the easy thing to do, right? And it works for the moment. So that's why we do it. But next time we're in the store, you know, we're at it again. So it's, uh, you know, I can reestablish compliance and that desensitization and you know first we're going to do it on mommy and then we're going to do it on patient or, and or you can do it and then now it's doctor's turn however however you want to do it, it takes it takes practice um <clears throat> so a quote from ellen white the greatest one of the world is the one of men men who will not be bought or sold men who in their inmost souls are true and honest men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is true to duty as a needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. And a lot of times when I hear that, I think doctrine. But true to duty. You know, these men are true to duty. They'll do what's in their power to do. That doesn't mean it's going to work. But you gave them the best chance at Choosing health, right? You offered up the class. You offered up the service. Wasn't well received, but good job anyways. You did what was in your power to do. 
So now I'm gonna, we're going to transition to, uh, to uh, what physicians need to know about dental trauma. And, and uh, Carlos, are you in here? All right. He's going to, good, I can say whatever I want. But I know there's other dentists in here. But um, there's, there's, you know, whenever you're presenting something like this, I'm always afraid that, that people can have different opinions. Um, but this is what I know to be true. And, and if I'm off on an area, come visit me afterwards and, and, and set me straight. Um, but life can be really, really, really exciting. And, and, and we have rambunctious kids. And we have adults that don't grow up. Um, we got, uh, you know, a lot of pictures there is, is, is of my son, Mateo, and, and he's, he's kind of luxated a tooth where it was almost lost on a bike accident, and uh, actually just two weeks ago, he chipped my tooth, so stuff happens, stuff happens, and knowing what to do is important. So here we have kids, I'm going to go through three kind of groups, like a facial cellulitis of like an, an odontogenic origin, a tooth origin. And, and then we have, we'll go through like luxations or, or avulsion when we lose a tooth. And then at the very end, just the common fractures. So when a, when a kid comes in to our office like this, a lot of times we'll, we'll send them to the emergency room to get some IV antibiotics. Because now the dental infection is spread and it's not just a tooth problem, it's a systemic problem. And then what often happens though is they go and get that done and they think they're done. So whether you as a physician see this kiddo and you see it, you know, periorbital swelling that we're kind of, we're, we're moving to new places here, you can do two things. You can send them to the emergency room or you can send them to the dentist who, who may take the tooth out and then send them to get IV, or, or if it's not bad enough, they might try oral antibiotics first. But either way, those two need to be kind of combined because um, DeMonte Driver was a kid not too long ago that got antibiotics and got antibiotics again and never got the tooth taken out, and he passed away. For a needless, you know, for like a 90, you needed like a $90 extraction. And he was a Medicaid patient, and you couldn't find somebody that would take him. And, and uh, yeah, the, the picture on the lower right and the middle picture in the bottom, that's the same patient. And you can see that the infection now is sequestered, and the tooth is pulled, but nothing happened to the infection. That's when we call Carlos the oral surgeon, and he goes in there, and he does an IND, gets the pus out, and places a drain. Otherwise, it's, it's, not, it's not going anywhere. So, it's, so those two things, IV antibiotics, and tell them that they have to see a dentist afterwards, right? Because if you don't take care of the source of the problem, then you're right back where you came from. Here are some different luxations and avulsions. The top left picture is, is my boy. He kind of extruded that tooth a little bit. Um, it's a baby tooth, and if it's less than three millimeters, you just leave it and let the ligament kind of suck it back in, and it was kind of, we're not sure if it was going to, it was kind of loose, but it, it did. It took it back in, and he still has it. Um, when, a, when a baby tooth gets knocked out, 
we don't stick those back in. They're just, they're just done. But when you're six years old and you have your permanent, and you, know, you, you lose your, your babies at six and you have a permanent tooth that gets knocked out, that's a big deal. I really hope that doesn't happen to my, my kids because they're, they're pretty uh, adventuresome. So knowing what to do with that if they come into your office, because a lot of times when you get in an injury like that, they don't think dentist because there might be some head trauma, um, is, is to, well, if it's right there in the moment, you're at a softball game. It's right there in the moment. Quickly clean it off with some water. You don't want to keep it in water. But you just rinse it off real quick and put it back in if the kid can handle it. If they can't, then have that kid maybe spit into a cup. You know, spit and put the tooth in that cup. Because... They say, you know, have Hank's solution or milk, but you don't often have Hank's solution and milk just lying around to put a tooth in when it knocks out. But if you have that information for, for if you're ever around, that's important. And, and an hour time is kind of our measurement for prognosis for these teeth. If it's been over an hour of dry time, it's probably going to ankylose and it's going to resorb. It's going to have some aesthetic use to it, but the overall prognosis is not, not very good. If it's immediate, you put that thing right back in, there's a good chance it'll be, it'll be okay. Yeah, it might need an endo or root canal, but if it still has an open apice and the tooth isn't fully formed, a six-year-old, seven-year-old, there's, you know, kids, they heal. They do, they're, do some miraculous stuff. And then lastly, just complicated versus uncomplicated fractures. If you see this, you know, an uncomplicated fracture, you don't see any pink blushing. The tooth isn't bleeding. They're going to be okay. Go to the dentist. The other one, you can say, oh, well, you're into the pulp, so you'll probably need some pulpal therapy, some treatment on that. Um, still need to go to the dentist. So not as time-sensitive or serious, um, but those are kind of two things that you could just look for. So kind of to recap, um, I'd encourage us all to, you know, reinforce uh, our staff when they try to do what's right for the patient and give them a chance. Um, you can use a task analysis. You can desensitize. You can use visual prompts. Um, you, know, you can use the first then. Celebrate the small successes. Celebrate the small successes. Celebration of a good behavior. I just, I mean, you can do a whole, I learned this from reading a dog book. I, I got a dog when I was 12. And they said positive reinforcement works a whole lot better than negative reinforcement, right? I have some people in my, in, in my realm right now that, that are over me at school, and, and it's almost like they're looking for the mess up. And it doesn't take long for them to find it and make me feel bad about it. But, man, how much better if they could see, you know, find me doing right, find the thing that they want me to do right, and and really just proclaim it to everybody, that's going to make me want to do it again, you know? And uh, so it might not work out how you wanted it to work out. We all have this plan of how it should go, but it might not go that way. It's going to have a lot of twists and turns, but the results are not in your hands, are they? People aren't machines. They're a messy investment. You can bring food to that neighbor for a long time, and they can still curse at you. Now get off my yard. 
but just the fact that you're doing it is the pat on the back, you know? You can take a reward in that. In, uh, in Academy, I uh, worked for uh, Mrs. Beagle. She was related to the McKees. She had a nice place out in Mayhem Gap Road in Udawa by Countryside Cafe. It, um, and I was the groundskeeper. My brother worked there before myself. And the perk was that came with the job was a Jeep Wrangler. Pretty sweet, huh? I learned in driving this Jeep Wrangler that there's a Jeep Wrangler club. Did you know? Like a motorcycle club, you pass by, they give it a little wave, like, hey, I'm cool, you're cool, we're both cool. And so I liked that wave, but sometimes they wouldn't wave back. And I'd get all angst. They wave back at me, you know, I talk bad about it. And so when the next Jeep came by, I wouldn't wave. What is that? And you see that in our daily life, when you extend a, a hand, say hello to somebody. Maybe they're on the opposite side of the fence on women's ordination and they don't say hello back. Like, it's, and, and, then, and then you feel like, oh, well, I'm not going to say hello to that person again. I learned my lesson. No, that's not, that's not how it is. If you continue to extend the hand and continue to be vulnerable, continue to offer your services, that's what God's calling you to do. The results are all in your, is, are there, they're in his hands. So you just have to make sure that you do it. And where it goes from there is, is where it goes from there. You know? This uh, is a picture of my son. And this isn't his grandpa or uncle. This guy's the mailman. He's the mailman. The mailman's hugging my son like they're best friends. Kids have that ability to make friendships. Why? Because they talk to people. They make themselves vulnerable. It's so beautiful. Rob. Hey, Rob. I was always looking out for him. Um, <clears throat> so in, in, in closing this talk, I want to show a clip of, uh, of one of our races that we had at uh, the Kore Kurawasi. It means the Kurawasi runners there in Peru. Every couple months we'd have a race. And um, sometimes I give a little worship talk before our races. And, and Hebrews 12.1 would often come up in my talk, you know. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And, um, yeah, I'll show, I'll, we'll see, I'll play this video. So, I'm videoing here, and, and I just happen to video these guys a lot here, and, and the theme of the, of the run tended to be Eduardo. He's a kid that just wearing hotas. Um, it's like a rubber shoe. And in the, mid, in the beginning of the video, I was following him, and I said, no, now where's, where's Eduardo? And, and here he is. 
And I'm saying, look how fast you're doing. Look how fast you're going. I say, I know, I know it hurts, you know. I know it hurts, but you're almost done. Catch the next guy. And when they're turning around this corner, the finish line's in sight. And you know, if you ever run a race, it hurts, you know. It hurts. You want to be done. You want Christ to come home. But you just you give it your all. And you run, and you run faster, and you run faster, because you know it'll soon be done. And that's how I want to live. That's how I want each of us to live in our practice, to realize we're not here long. And, and soon Christ is going to come to take us home. So as, as we end, um, let's just pray that we can hold strong, do what's in our power to do, and give these kids a chance and, and the parents the support to keep on and remind them, give them that perspective that this life is short and you're doing a good job and I'm here for you to help. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please be with us forgive us where we failed you help us to keep on running with endurance and I thank you for amen that kind of is that group of spectators on the side of a race that says good job you're doing it I know it hurts but you're going the right direction and the finish line's right up there Um, Lord bless us as we do our best to do your will. We know we're not going to get it all right, and it's going to be a little bit messy. We're not perfect, and people are a messy investment. But in the long run, that's what you care about. That's what you sent your son to die on the cross for us. So, Lord, help us to have on our heart what you have on yours, and to love people, your sons and daughters, like you would love them. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.